Hi, and welcome to the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. I'm Reverend Jacob Hero Shaw, Senior Pastor of MCC Tampa. In this podcast, you'll hear the readings and sermon from this week's service. If you'd like to view the entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. The link to that can be found in the program notes. Thanks. Good morning, my name is Olga Roig, and today's first scripture reading is from the book of Genesis. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good and in order to preserve a numerous people as God is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. Good morning. My name is Chad Hobbs, and today's second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Peter came to and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, The Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You are wicked. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave? 
as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly creator will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Thank you, God, for opening our hearts. Thank you for the ways that you hold us and remind us that you are connected to each of us. Amen. In the scripture passages that you heard this morning, we see a theme of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is always complicated. Forgiveness is not an easy topic at any time. But forgiveness is perhaps more difficult right now. We've just, once again, passed an anniversary of the attacks of September 11th. What does it mean to talk about forgiveness when we are remembering atrocity? Things that we thought could never happen to us that happened. Is forgiveness even possible in this situation or many others that we encounter in our lives? The first story that we heard today was about Joseph. Now, Joseph was the son of Jacob. He was a, a tender-hearted and, and sweet character in the Bible. He was the beloved son of Jacob. He was Jacob's favorite. And we know from Scripture that Jacob at one point gave him this garment. Now, this garment, we don't really know a lot about it, but scholars agree that the only other times in Scripture that, that this particular word is used to describe a piece of clothing, it's used to describe female clothing. So this young man had been given essentially um, a, a frock, a, a dress of some sort by his father, who celebrated him as his favorite. His brothers didn't like it, and they beat him up. They sold him. To the Egyptians, they took the garment home, showed it to their father, and said that Joseph was dead. And the story that we heard today is much later, after Jacob has died, and the brothers suddenly realize that Joseph uh, might take retribution against them. So what happens when Joseph meets his brothers? They were scared to meet him and yet he greets them with forgiveness. This story is incredibly complicated. Joseph chose to forgive those who tried to kill him, those who essentially ruined his life, although things turned out quite well for Joseph and his family. So is Joseph a model for all of us? For those who experience violence, those who are seriously wounded, is Joseph the model that we follow? And if we choose to forgive those in our lives, how do we get there? What work did he have to do in his heart in all of those years to become strong enough to offer forgiveness? And now let's look at the second story. Jesus tells one of his many stories of forgiveness. And what happens here is that the disciples were kind of vying for Jesus' affection and attention and trying to figure out who was the best, who was the favorite. 
And Jesus tells them about forgiveness. He's been asked, how many times should we forgive? Should we forgive seven times? And Jesus responds with, we should, we, we should forgive 77 times. Or in some translations, 70 times seven times. The number doesn't matter. It's, it's not about the actual number. It's about the reality of forgiveness. So the parable that he tells is about a servant whose debt is forgiven by the, the owner, the landowner, the Lord of the land. His debt is forgiven, and yet this servant goes to another servant and says that he will not forgive that person's debt that he is owed. So the landowner treats him harshly for his lack of compassion, and then Jesus says that God will also treat us harshly if we do not forgive. From these passages, some bad theology has been spun. We've heard about cheap forgiveness and cheap grace, and we've gotten messaging that if we don't rush to forgiveness, if we don't immediately forgive without any kind of healing, that maybe we will be punished by God. Is that really what the text says? I mean, even in the prayer that Jesus taught us, we hear these words. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or sometimes we hear it as forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What does that mean to us? Does it actually say that the reason we must forgive is so that God doesn't punish us? No. But often we hear it that way. Because it's human nature to put that spin on it. We especially living in this country, in the cultural context that we are in. We live in a what's-in-it-for-me world. So we think about forgiveness, and we immediately go to what's in it for me. What am I avoiding? Am I avoiding God's punishment? What's in it for me if I offer forgiveness? So how does forgiveness happen? Is it simply free like God's grace? If we say we forgive, and yet then we follow it with a threat, have we forgiven at all? How often have we heard words like, I forgive you, but you'll have to answer to God. I forgive you, but I hope you rot in prison. I forgive you, but you are getting what you deserve. Is that forgiveness? True forgiveness is impossible without accountability. And when forgiveness is just words, especially when forgiveness is even couched in threats and anger, it shows that the accountability has not been met. We are taught about cheap forgiveness. We are taught about an empty kind of theology because it feels easier in the moment, but it is not, in fact, easier. And if you are an LGBTQ person, if you are a woman, if you are a person of color, 
If you grew up or are currently living in poverty, you have received these messages more than anyone else. That forgiveness should be instant and offered from you freely. But we can choose differently. We can choose accountability. We can choose social justice. We can choose how we deal with our own suffering. We've been told again and again to just forgive, just forgive, and forget. Scripture does not tell us forgive and forget. In fact, Scripture gives many, many more opportunities to talk about redemption, to talk about healing, to talk about connection with one another. If you've been told that it is your job to just forgive after you've been harmed or victimized, if you've been told that God wants you to forgive and if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you, you've probably been told that by someone who has power over you. As followers of Christ, following the example of Christ, we must always question power. We must always question whoever is in power. Even people who mean well, if they are doing the right thing, can stand up against questions about power. Power leads to harm in so many ways. So when people have power over others, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are bad, but it means that we cannot move forward unquestioning. So when we are told, forgive and forget, that's what God wants us to do. There should be follow-up questions about how. How can we grow? How can we change? How can we ensure that we are not harmed again? Many, many Christian pastors, especially white male Christian pastors over the centuries have said to people who have been harmed by spouses, people who have been harmed by the church, people who have been harmed by oppressive systems, that they are required to forgive. The church must also ask for forgiveness for the ways that Christianity has fed into this cycle of abuse. And there is always good news because we can always find healing and wholeness when we do the hard work of redemption, of accountability. I think usually when we hear these stories, we put ourselves in the position of the one who can offer forgiveness. But the reality is that sometimes we are the ones who need forgiveness. The challenge is, are we willing to do the work? Are we willing to not just ask to be forgiven, but to commit to change, to commit to transformation, to commit to wholeness, are we willing to do that work? Why is it that so often when we find ourselves on the side of the victim, we are told that we have to do the work, and yet perpetrators are not told that they have to do work? And why is it that when we make mistakes, which we all do, not because we are bad, but because we are people. We have not been properly trained. Think about before you could drive, 
you didn't know how to drive? Did it make you a bad person because you didn't understand how it felt to be in a car behind the steering wheel and drive? You maybe watched someone drive, but you didn't know how to do it. We've got to learn to drive. We've got to learn how to take control. We've got to learn how to be moved and transformed. So when we make mistakes, it is a skill that we develop. Learning how to truly seek forgiveness. Learning how to really be changed. We aren't always Joseph. Sometimes we are the brothers. And sometimes we're in that middle place. Sometimes, like the servant, we are given forgiveness, and yet we turn around and do not extend that to others. Now, the power structures in that story are so complex, and much more than I can get into in this exact moment, but it is so complicated and complex what he was dealing with. Was he evil or bad? No. He was someone who was in a position uh, under oppression and yet also oppressing others. How often do we live in that place of what's called horizontal aggression, where we who experience oppression either purposefully or accidentally end up oppressing other people? So what is the meaning of forgiveness for all of us who are just trying to get through just trying to get by, all of us who are living in situations that might feel untenable. I have bad news for you, and I have good news for you. The bad news is that this is complicated. We want, we want easy. We want something that can go on a greeting card. We want something that we can just package up nicely, and when we make mistakes and when we do harm, we want to just be able to quickly move on. So the bad news is that it is not easy. But I also have good news for you. The good news is just like learning to drive or learning any other skill, we can learn how to do this. And our lack of experience does not make us bad. Especially those of us who experience oppression. Those of us who have fought for equality, those who, of us who have fought for equal rights in our lives, those of us who feel like we have been dehumanized, we have been harmed so much. Not only should we not rush to forgive without justice, we also should not rush to demand forgiveness when we make mistakes. Instead, we can do something beautiful and transformative, something life-changing. We have everything we need. We have the ability to learn, the ability to start fresh, the ability to have do-overs and ask for help. When we talk about forgiveness, that is what we talk about. Joseph was amazing in his ability to forgive his brothers. We don't know what cost that came to him. Scholars say that this might be the first documented crime against someone who is a lot like maybe you are or I am. Someone who's seen as different by their families and the society around them. Joseph was able to make a life for himself that was beautiful and, and whole and was able to offer forgiveness, and I hope that for all of us. 
And while scripture doesn't tell us about the inner workings of that process for him, the outcome tells us that he got there. So when he offered forgiveness to his brothers, it wasn't cheap, it wasn't easy, it was difficult, it was real, he was ready, it wasn't a I forgive you but. I forgive you and I will hold it over you. It was just an I forgive you. It might sound easy, but it is hard. Best thing about things that are hard is that when we get through them, when we are transformed, we get to feel that transformation in our bones. Whatever it is that you are holding on to, the anger against someone else or the fear of someone else's anger. Let's work together. Let's learn new ways. Let's find healing so that we can be whole so that we don't have to carry it anymore. And that is the good news. Amen. Beloved family, we want to get back together in person soon. So when you go out, wear a mask, wash your hands, keep a safe distance from others so that we together can beat this and be back where we belong. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. If you'd like to view our entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. Today's program was edited, directed, and produced by my wonderful husband, Alan Hiroshima.